You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We rely on the financial support of listeners like yourself to keep going. If you'd like to support diverse voices on your radio, go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, all those people out there who do have other duties, with they listen to, and I'm in the background, don't despair if you're computer literate. The program is podcast to community radio 3CR for lovely, lovely little picture, which is picked out by Kelly, who does the podcast. So get into the podcast, 3cr.org.au. So uh, it is podcast. Now, if you wonder what anarchy is all about, anarchos without rulers. Simple. How do you create a society without rulers? You look at what gives rulers power. It's inequalities in it's inequalities in power and wealth, which give rulers the ability to uh, determine the lives of billions of people. Very simple concept. So an anarchist is somebody who's involved in the struggle to share power and to share wealth. Simple concept, nothing uh, funny about it. And unlike social media, that uh, cesspool of whatever, my apologies to the cesspool, uh, social media, well, I'm not anonymous. My name's Joseph Toscan. If you've got any problems, you can always leave messages on 0439 395 489. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. But I'm also always open to nice letters and uh, nice letters and emails and Twitters and whatever. We're on every platform you can think of. I don't know why we bother. YouTube, public interest before corporate interest. Twitter, Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I underscore A-U. Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. Toscano for the public. Uh, defend and extend public housing. Uh, public housing, everybody's business. And the list goes on and on. And uh, web pages, pipsy.net, anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org, pipsy.net. So we're across every platform, not that it does us much good in the long run. So what are we going to talk about? Look, I'm, as we, the whole purpose of the anarchist world this week is to give you an up-to-date analysis of what's happening locally, nationally and internationally. And I think... Um, I'm going to talk about something which 
I think should have been front-page news, irrespective of what's happening with the bushfires and climate change, which somehow has slipped through the cracks. Like all important news items, all important research somehow seems to disappear. You may hear about it for about two seconds, then it disappears. But I think this particular set of figures highlights the very real cost to so many Australians, and we can extrapolate these figures to everybody else in the world, of the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution which has swept the world over the past four decades. In the 1980s, if you compare the health outcomes of the bottom 15% as far as income was concerned and the top 15% of Australians as far as income was concerned. Now, this is the 1980s, almost four, well, at least four decades ago, almost four decades ago. The differential was 40%. What that means is that you had a 40% greater chance of reaching the age of 75. And remember, let's not forget all the marvellous medical miracles that have occurred in the interim in the last 40 years. You had a 40% chance, you had a 40% greater chance of reaching the age of 75 if you were in the top 15% of income earners in this country. Now, if we put the uh, clock forward to 2019, the change has been quite extraordinary. If you compare, as far as income is concerned, the bottom 15% and the top 15% of Australians, as far as their health outcomes are concerned, if you live in the top, if you're part of the top 15% of income earners, you have an 80% greater chance of reaching the age of 75 than somebody whose income is in the bottom 15%. Think of that. In 40 years, through all the changes that have occurred, what we have seen is a 100% decrease in the health income health outcomes of the 15% of Australians on a lower income. These are an extraordinary set of figures. And people say, well, it's a matter of personal choice. Health is not just a matter of personal choice. Health is directly linked to income and it's quite obvious in a capitalist society where wealth, disposable income, determines outcomes, it is quite obvious that richer suburbs tend to have more facilities, whether it's sporting facilities, whether it's education facilities, whether it's health, health facilities, than poorer suburbs. It's quite obvious. And when you look at the... Uh, current sports rorts, you can see how governments are implicated in this widening gap by passing legislation which has cut huge holes 
in the social security net, ensuring that more and more Australians continue to fall through those holes. And the health outcomes highlight what is happening in this country. When people say the rich are getting richer and the poorer are getting poorer, I mean, that's just a bunch of words. But the reality is, as far as health outcomes are concerned, the health of poorer Australians is suffering at a greater rate than richer Australians, although there have been numerous improvements in medicine during this 40-year period. So I think these figures open up a window. They're a window into what's happening in society. It's a little bit like when you pass a building site, and in the old days, I don't know, they don't do it so much these days, but in the old days there was a little window and you could look through and could see all the ants working down there and the building go up and up. Well, it's the same thing. These figures give us a window into what deregulation has meant for the population. And deregulation is basically a fancy word for removing laws that protect people. What privatisation has meant for the population, and that's a fancy word for giving away state or community-based assets to the private sector at bargain basement prices. Corporatisation, allowing small businesses to be uh, edged out of business by large corporations dominating every facet of Australian existence, walk into a shopping mall and look at the names, the brands, and you'll notice that 95% are corporate brands. And globalisation, which basically means as you can export you know, you do business where labour costs the least, you know, and so people lose their jobs. So we do have two Australias. As I said last year, last week, we actually have five different groups in our society, but in terms of income, disposable income, we have two Australians. Nothing highlights the bankruptcy of the economic, social and political policies which has resulted in legislation which have ensured the pauperisation, not just in terms of uh, disposable income, but pauperisation in terms of health income, creating intergenerational poverty, intergenerational health issues, intergenerational despair, intergenerational self-destruction in our society. And the reality is that it doesn't have to be like this. Because the anarchist world this week, I mean, I've been broadcasting now the anarchist world this week in various guises for the last 43 years. 43 years. And the anarchist world this week is not just about slaughtering sacred cows, and my apologies to those sacred cows, but the anarchist world this week is about hope. And I said before, hope is the love child of desire and expectation, the desire for change and the expectation that change will occur. Not just change at a personal level, but change as a societal level. Because each and every one of us 
are a member of a community and or various communities, whether we like it or not. And the outcomes which occur are directly linked to the economic system under which we suffer. End of story. So why is it that news like this appears and disappears and nobody talks about it? As I spoke a few weeks ago about the 700,000 children in Australia, which is about... About one in what? About one in thirty Australian children, well, just Australians who live below the poverty line. Seven hundred thousand, and everywhere you look, you can actually see the consequences of these policies, which have dominated discussion. So why don't we ever see any real? ongoing, lasting discussion about the C-word in this country, about the role that capitalism has in destroying the lives of so many Australians and so many people around the world. It's just extraordinary. It is really extraordinary. And it's all very easy to get depressed and I know people write to me and say they're depressed about the current situation. I'm not depressed about the current situation. I'm annoyed about the current situation. I'm angry about the current situation. And I'm annoyed and angry on two levels. Well, actually three levels. I'm annoyed and angry that so much effort of activists goes into issue-orientated politics. As if dealing with a particular issue is the be or an end or of radical activity or even just reform activity. I'm annoyed and angry that's for so long that Australians, especially those who are the victims of these policies, Continue to blame the other for their problems. Continue to blame the immigrant or the Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander or the person of different sexual orientation or gender and the list goes on and on. I'm particularly annoyed about this particular situation where we have the very people who are beaten into submission by the system, whose children are treated as disposable garbage by a system that should be able to look after their needs, who continue to support that system. And obviously, I'm very angry at people with disposable income, that 15% of Australians with... Sorry, that 9% of Australians with disposable income who invest their money in negative gearing and franking credits, and the list goes on and on, who don't use it in a more socially beneficial way. Think about it. Think about it, because change will never come until those who are oppressed 
can actually identify their oppressors. And an era of instant gratification, social media, instantaneous, instantaneous communication, it's quite tragic that the important issues are ignored because everybody thinks it's a little bit too hard. It's a little bit too hard to fight City Hall. It's a little bit too hard to get involved in protest activities that look at economic issues. It's a little bit too hard in getting involved in, say, a political party like Public Interest before Corporate Interest, which is interested in raising these issues on a national level. It's a little bit too hard, and you should never bite the hand that feeds you. You should always be like that nice little doggy in the corner. You get patted and you go purr, purr, irrespective of what's in your bowl. And that's the key. The key is resistance. And resistance comes when people understand what is happening. And our job, your job, if you listen to the Anarchist World this week, my job is to actually try to give people some insight in what's happening in the world today, especially in our local community. In the majority of cases, there's very little we can do about what's happening overseas. Sometimes we can, and in most cases we can't. But there is a lot we can do to actually change the course that the good ship Australia has currently is currently on. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, I'm very interested in the concept of green capitalism because a lot of people think that in order to tackle climate change, all we need to do is change the way energy is produced. Very simple. Phase out coal, solar, wind, hydro, etc. Change the equation, decrease CO2 emissions and hey presto, brand new day. The emergence of green capitalism is becoming an important issue as investors look for ethical funds in which to invest their money. Because the smart investor knows that there's no point investing in coal. It's on the way out. And corporations around the world are divesting themselves of their shares in the coal mine industry. Everybody knows that, irrespective of whether... Scotty from advertising, our beloved Prime Minister, doesn't really get it. But that, that's another story we may touch on today. So is green capitalism the future? Is green capitalism the answer to the inequalities which exist in our society? Well, green capitalism may be part of the answer towards addressing the climate emergency, which more and more of us realise is uh, fast approaching. But, but green capitalism is not the answer in terms of creating an egalitarian community. It's not the answer in terms of 
creating an egalitarian society. Each and every one of us can develop ourselves to our fullest potential in a society where we know wealth is used for the common good, not for individual gain. So although it's one way of looking at the climate change issue, it is not the only way of looking at the climate change issue because green capitalism ultimately is based on the concept of unlimited growth and growth for growth's sake because it's growth which creates dividends for investors. So if you're one of these people who thinks that green capitalism is a solution to the climate change emergency, well, it's a stopgap measure, but it is not a solution. And it's not a solution to the problems which are being faced by an increasing number of not just Australians, but people around the world. So we need to be a little bit more sophisticated in our arguments about what's happening around us. And that's what the Anarchist World this week is about. It's about trying, and the key word is trying. I mean, nobody's got all the answers. I've got about 0.1% of the answers. But it's about trying to analyse what's going on in the country, what's going on in our community, and attempting to raise alternatives to what's occurring. Because if alternatives are never raised, nothing happens. And um, I'll use a bushfire analogy, which may be inappropriate in the current situation. But what we're about is about keeping the embers of hope alive. That's right. The embers of hope. Desire for change, expectation for change. Keeping those embers alive. Because as we've seen with the bushfires around this country... As the climate changes, as the ecology changes, those embers become part of a raging fire which destroys everything before it. It's the same with change, social change, political change. The undergrowth increases dissatisfaction increases. The embers that we keep alive of hope are those very embers which can cause major change to occur. And if we're depressed about our ability to create change, nothing's ever going to change because nobody else is going to do it. I mean, people may tinker at the edges. They may jump on the next, uh, you know, a social campaign. But unless we challenge the very pillars this society is based on, and that pillar is very simple. It's about creating profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental, national costs to the community. That's what it's about. And if you think Scotty of advertising, our beloved Prime Minister, a man whose ambition, you know, is uh, much greater than his abilities, well, then you're in for a hard landing. And if you think voting for the current political parties is somehow going to uh, change 
that narrative, well, you need to think again. But that doesn't mean you need to be depressed. Depression, to be depressed about a particular situation is basically throwing the towel. As activists, we need to be annoyed. We need to be angry. And we need to channel that annoyance and anger into activities which raise alternatives, positive alternatives, and challenge the status quo on their terms. Challenge them over and over and over again. As they say, a swallow doesn't make a spring or a summer. One big protest doesn't achieve anything. It's about constantly chipping away at the system. That's why that's one reason the Unexpressed Institute is involved in many activities, including public interest before corporate interest, defend and extend public housing. We set up a huge number of uh, events during the year for people to join because ultimately it's people taking direct action on the street which will help to provide the impetus, to provide the wind which uh, allows those embers to create a forest fire. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Jeff Stoscan. I'm hosting today's program. A few, uh, a bit of information. You can write me letters at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. Email at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Email at pipsy, P-I-B-C-I, info at pipsy, P-I-B-C-I, dot net. You can, uh, what else? You can personal Facebook messages, Joseph Toscar, and the list goes on and on. Plenty of, uh, and you can leave messages on 0439 395 489. I think if there's one lesson to be learnt, after 43 years of its consistency and it's the fact that we survive in order to struggle another day and the fact that we don't allow annoyance and anger to be turned into hatred and vitriol and and depression. That's the key. I mean, anger can be an exceptionally powerful motivating force. Hatred and vilification Waste of time. Waste of time. And those people who think that armed struggle is the solution, total waste of time. The state has the physical power. It has the mor- It has the uh, media. It has everything. Our strength is the fact that we are willing to stand up in a non-violent fashion and challenge the state challenge the corporate sector and create a new blueprint for existence in this society. That is our strength. As I've said on many occasions, the state loves violence. Violence is its reason for existence. Historically, the state was created to violently suppress any opposition to that small clique that ruled a particular piece 
of the earth. During the 19th and 20th century, countless struggle involving millions of people, tens of millions of people around the globe forced the state to take on a more paternalistic role as far as its citizens was concerned and forced the state to look after the interests of its citizens through the creation of a social security system, through the creation of workplace legislation, through the creation of a egalitarian education system. And over the last 40 years, we have seen through the globalisation, privatisation, corporatisation, deregulation, revolution, those gains being swept away and the state returning to its original focus of maintaining the power of those who currently exercise power in our society. Think about it. It's our very non-violence. It's the fact that we are willing to stand up. It's the fact that we're willing to be identified. It's the fact that we are there on a daily basis involved in that struggle. It's the fact that we keep the embers of hope alive in our hearts and in our activities, which is the greatest threat to the status quo. They can deal with violence but they cannot deal with people like us on a long-term basis. Listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia. A few more little mundane things. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Now, Scotty from advertising kind of got, was found to be a little bit short, wasn't he, when the bushfire emergency uh, began. I think he was on a holiday somewhere overseas, not that I... You know, against people having holidays, but he was the prime minister. Well, he is still the prime minister of the country until Mr. Dutton removes him about October this year, I, I think. But you know, he's a man. His his capabilities are very, very, very short of his ambition. He's got his ambition, but he just doesn't seem to have the capabilities to be a uh, leader in inverted commas. And it's interesting to see that Scotty from advertising has been putting out. Spot fires, that's right, he's putting out those embers, those spot fires that the embers create around the country and throwing a little bit of money here and a little bit of money there and it all sounds very good on TV and radio and social media, especially if you do your own social media, as Scotty tends to do, being, you know, from advertising. But they've got a problem. The federal government is a big, big problem. It cannot deliver its promises on the ground. Because over the last 30 to 40 years, what we have seen is the destruction of the federal public service as far as providing public services to the community. We've seen a lot of money go into the Australia security agencies and we've seen a lot of money go into border protection, Mr Dutton's super ministry, We've seen a lot of money going to the federal police. But what we've seen is the destruction of the public service, of the ability of the public service 
to actually provide services to the community. I mean, it can take a day or two or three or four to get through to Centrelink on a phone if you're lucky. And anybody who's had to deal with a government department knows how difficult it is because the amount of staff involved in providing services has been whittled away to the bare bone, including the taxation department, where large corporations now do their own self-assessment. No wonder a third don't pay income tax, but that's another story. So now there's a real emergency, and there's real people who need real support on the ground. The federal government cannot deliver to those in need. It cannot deliver. And even the $500 million that's been raised by individuals and charities is not getting to the people in dire need. So the federal government is currently in a round of negotiations with the usual suspects, the Salvation Army, Vinnies, Red Cross, and the list goes on and on, for them to actually deliver services to the community on their behalf. Because there's not enough public services on the there's not enough public servants on the ground to deliver those services. And you can't really deploy people out of departments which are down to their bare minimum staffing who are having difficulty in actually serving the needs of the current population, let alone the needs of a population which has been devastated by an emergency. So six weeks after the fire, you still hear about people whose homes were razed to the ground receiving a, you know, a few hundred bucks in compensation when there's supposedly all this money out there to be distributed. And then we see the the way that the money is going to be distributed. And, you, and what it means is that if you've got to do a social contract, you've got to do a contract with privately owned organisations, whether they're religiously based or not, a huge amount of that money is going to go into wages and administration costs. And a lot of that $2 billion, which has theoretically been allocated by the federal government to look after the needs of uh, bushfire-ravaged communities, it's going to disappear in the pockets of the usual suspects as administration costs it's quite extraordinary a federal system that doesn't have the people to provide the services to the population i mean they are the only authority that has the power to levy income tax on people we live in an economy based which is worth two trillion dollars that's right, $2 trillion. And we don't have a federal system which can deliver services to people in need when they need it, irrespective of the decision which is made by a Scotty from advertising regarding who gets what. Just extraordinary. Just an extraordinary situation. Again, it actually shows you, it shows you the ills of privatisation. It shows you why over the past 40 years the people whose income falls within the lowest 15% bracket in this country ability to reach the age of 75 has halved 
in comparison to their richer brothers and sisters. Let's move on. Now, you know I've kept saying for a long time that basically superannuation is about driving money into the stock market system. And in era, when we have historically low interest rates, I think the lowest interest rates, I think, since Federation, what we are seeing is more and more money being pumped into the stock market, not just in Australia but overseas. And I'm interested in the concept of margin lending. Now, I know all my listeners get franking credits every, every few months because you've got heaps of shares. I'm sure you've all got heaps of shares. I mean, I don't have any, but I'm sure you have. I don't, have one, I don't even have one share or stock. So I'm sure you're all getting heaps of shares. But there is a little new scheme called margin... Well, it's an old scheme, but it's really taken off in the last three or four years called margin lending. And what it means is that you take out a loan from a, a financial institution or a stockbroker to buy stocks and shares. And, you know, if you invest wisely, you may get a little bit of money back. Because what we've seen is the amount of money invested in margin lending in Australia has increased from $11 billion to $17 billion in the last few years. And while the stock market goes up and up and up, because there's nowhere else for people to put money, especially in an economy where interest rates are at historically low levels, so returns are 1% or less for investments in the, in, in the banks, and where real estate prices are kind of, kind of, kind of levelled out. It's still extremely high in Australia, extremely high. They're levelled out because they really got nowhere else to go, irrespective of the cheap home loans which are available. More more Australians, especially those, even those without disposable income, are actually investing in stock markets through margin lending. Now, the only problem is when you're a margin lender and you owe money to financial institutions to buy stocks and shares, well, they go up, everybody's happy. Once they start coming down, and they can come down for a variety of reasons, as we've seen with the world stock markets, currently they're on the way up and up and up, the stockbroker can actually ask, can make what's called a margin call. You like this? What that means is the stockbroker demands that you pay them cash within 24 hours or 48 hours because your stocks and shares are falling in value and they don't carry the can, you carry the can for that fall. So I'm not actually crying tears for all these people who've borrowed money margin loans to you know buy stocks and shares hoping that the stock market will go up forever but unfortunately what goes up comes down and um, if they get burnt well that's life but I just thought I'd talk about it because I think it's interesting I think another interesting thing that's been happening is 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 news now what is news what is news who decides what is the news of the day? Now, in, in some cases, there's no question about what is news. If you have a natural disaster, that's news. That's new. 
makes for a lot of good pictures and a lot of, you know, good uh, analysis and articles and lots of revenue. You know, advertising revenue, irrespective of what platform it is. But that's what that's news. But more importantly, what is the news outside of these, uh, you know, sudden, unexpected or unexpected natural disasters? And it's interesting to see how the topics that are picked to be discussed and rediscussed and become part of the national discussion seem to be fixated on a number of things. They seem to be fixated on particularly peripheral issues and issues which hone in on the picadillos and uh, failings of individuals. But when it comes to the big picture, I'm not just talking about climate change or a climate emergency, I'm talking about how people live, how people survive, why homelessness increases, why there's increasing poverty in an era of plenty, why generations of children are you know, uh, pushed into intergenerational poverty, and the list goes on and on. All those important things which involve individual Australians, at a community level and at a national level, we never seem to have a discussion about what's important. Never seems to be a national discussion about what's important. It's as if some things are sacrosanct, beyond the pale. We will never touch that discussion. Things like capitalism, Things like, what's it like to live in a system that needs to create ever-increasing profits irrespective of the uh, consequences? There never seems to be that discussion about the pillars, the very foundations of our society, about the very system that creates so much harm for so many people on so many levels. There's never a consistent discussion. It's not even raised as an issue, it's as if it's not an issue. That's the way it is, that's the way it will be, and that's the way it always will be, we're told. No point questioning it, no point discussing it, no point making any changes, and even when things like a climate emergency force people to make changes, well, let's just channel those changes in a capitalist direction. Let's bring in green capitalism as another form of um, capitalism never seems to be any discussion. And maybe, maybe that's due to two things. One, we've got a parliamentary system which is dominated by lobbyists who put forward the... They put forward what's good that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication on a regular basis. We have parliamentarians who are heavily invested in the current system who negatively gear property, five, six, seven properties, who've got huge portfolios of stock and shares, 
and the list goes on and on. So it's really not in their personal interests to actually raise the issue of inequality in society and the reason it doesn't occur. And then we have a media which is totally owned to a significant degree by the private sector. It's no wonder the people of Queensland, and I was born in Queensland decades ago, it's no wonder that the people of Queensland have a lot of difficulty in understanding who the enemy is, thinking the status quo is the way forward. Because to a significant degree, Queensland is a one-newspaper state. Where we have the Murdoch media pushing its poison, its misinformation, its half-truths as real news, generation after generation after generation, where there is no competition. And then we have a government guild at ABC, which is interesting to see how its tune has changed since the appointment of its new, um, uh, whatever, CEO, manager, I don't know, whatever they're called, the board. Because it was very interesting to see all the organs of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, including Channel 34, National Indigenous Television, Channel 3, SBS, and the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, Channel 2. It's interesting to see how they have been gelded, especially with Invasion Day coming on the 26th of January. I've been amazed at the amount of propaganda, and that's all it is, propaganda, which has been pumped out of the national broadcaster, which raises... Australia Day is the pinnacle of Australian society. What an extraordinary situation. So when you have a media that's totally focused on peripheral issues that is not willing or is unable to tackle the main issues, then you've got a problem. You've got a major problem. I'll give you an example. This is a simple example. Now, we do know that the deputy leader of the National Party, I think her name's McKinsey, I've forgotten her name, is a little bit of hot water, just a little bit of hot water, because uh, she was involved in dishing out grants before the election, mainly to marginal electors, uh, marginal elections, and had lots of pretty pictures with little checks being passed on to people. And an an investigation by the Auditor General said, well, look, this is not really kosher, these grants were not made on merit. The uh, organisation which was set up to ins- find out who actually merited the grants, you know, their uh, recommendations were pulped, and the list goes on and on. And it's become the news of the day. You know, everybody's talking about it. It's even in some quarters, as far as the uh, media is concerned, it's more important than the uh, the bushfire emergency and the uh, uh, Scotty from advertising's inability to uh, tackle or even address or even look at the issues of uh, climate change, climate emergency. But that, that's a different story. So this is the big story. Now, look, I hate to tell you this, boys and girls. You know, maybe I'm an, I'm an idiot. Well, maybe I'm an idiot. doesn't really matter, does it? But 
the same principle regarding government funding occurs in all spheres of government activity. I'll give you an example. Education. Education. Where does federal government funding go in education? Where does the bulk of federal government funding go? To privately owned schools. We don't see this as a rort. Of course it's a bloody rort. When the children of parents who don't have the disposable income to send their child to a private school are discriminated against by a government which decides to heavily fund privately based organisations, you have to think about it. How about religious based organisations? They don't pay tax. They don't pay rates. They don't pay anything. And irrespective of the harm they do, and many do a lot of good, and many have done a lot of harm, you can't even squeeze any compensation out of them. Why don't you compulsorily acquire a bit of their real estate, you know, and compensate the victims who are still hanging out for compensation, victims of, uh, you know, childhood sexual abuse over decades. So government funding, Madam McKenzie just did exactly what the government has been doing for decades, funding the rich, funding those with assets at the expense of the poor, whether it's negative gearing. What is negative gearing? It's just another mechanism of government funding. You don't pay a tax if you own more than a few homes. The more homes you own, the less tax you pay. I love it. Anybody would love it. The same with shares, stocks and shares. The more stocks and shares you own, the more franking credits you get, the more free government money you receive. So let's not just look at the periphery, you know, somebody brought in a $100 million scheme in order to push the government over the line and uh, get them re-elected. Let's not forget that. All those beautiful pictures of uh, government members handing out checks in uh, marginal electorates, I'm sure they had a little bit of a push in that community, and that's what it was designed to be for. But it's the same in every other aspect of government funding. While, you know, people on uh, people on a New Start allowance are squeezed constantly, while people on disability support pensions are squeezed constantly, while people on single parents' benefits are squeezed constantly, while, you know, the 30% of Australians on some type of social security benefit are squeezed and trampled on on a daily basis and starved of funds, what we see is government funding, not just in the case of this, you know, $100 million sports grants, but government funding going to the very people who don't need it. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. As I said before, the anarchist world this week is not just a uh, sacred cow slaughterhouse, it's also a hope oasis. That's right, a hope oasis. Hope is the love child of desire and expectation, the desire for change and the expectation that change will occur. No point getting depressed about the current situation. 
change is possible. History has shown that. No point turning your anger, frustrations into hatred or vilification or, you know, depression. It's about using that anger, that annoyance, that little frustration, using that to get involved in activities that challenge the state at every level, not just in terms of social issues, not just in terms of single-issue campaigns, but in terms of campaigns and activities which challenge the very foundations that this state, this country, is based on. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting today's program. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. Uh, you can email at yahoo.com, info at pipsy.net. YouTube presentations, we're back on the weekly roll. Uh, public interests before corporate interests. Public interests before corporate interests, YouTube channel. Twitter stream, which is a bit slow at the minute because I'm a bit bored with Twitter. Uh, I mean, Trump isn't, but I am. That shows the difference in us, doesn't it? Uh, Pipsy underscore AU. Facebook pages, Joseph Toscano. I need more virtual friends. I need you. I have a desire for more virtual friends. Just don't knock on my door asking for a loan. Uh, Joseph Toscano or Toscano for the public. Uh, Defend and extend public housing. Uh, public housing, everybody's business. And the list goes on and on. Just go onto social media, but be pleasant. And don't be a coward. Identify yourself when you're on social media. The words of somebody who's willing to identify themselves are worth 500 times more than the anonymous idiot. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist Will this week on your local community radio station. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Yes, and you can send me letters at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. And I know there's a lot of people listening. Uh, I'm uh, very pleased to be able to uh, talk at you, not with you, cause, but you can then talk with me at, if you meet me at some of these events. But uh, I'm very pleased to talk at you. And uh, hopefully you'll listen in next week on the Anarchist World this week because that's the great thing about a radio program like this. You can't interrupt. But you can interrupt me on uh, Talk Back With Attitude, uh, 10am to 11am on Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne on 039-419-0155. This is the Anarchist World This Week being broadcast courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Irrespective of whether you're listening to the Anarchist World This Week via the Community Radio Network, listen in next week. And if you can't, the program is podcast, 3cr.org.au. A-U. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brain
wash my hands. Oh, Lord, yeah. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.